Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Firm Returns Weekly. Today we're going to have a look at a couple of updates. So I will just quickly share my screen. There's the one. So yeah, today we've got a couple of updates on uh, Warner Brothers Discovery and on Tiny Build. So let's start with Warner Brothers Discovery. Um, and the first bit of news is, as we as I mentioned last week, <clears throat> we had the release of Blue Beetle uh, prior weekend, and yeah, we can see now how it's done. Um, so it it topped the U.S. box office rankings in its opening weekend with a domestic, uh, sorry, with domestic ticket sales of twenty five million dollars. And it's currently the widest release, showing in 3,871 theatres. So it's actually overtaken um, Barbie in its over its <coughs> excuse me in its opening weekend, um, as Barbie's now finally, after many weeks of running now, dropped below uh, 4,000. Um, but yeah, obviously, 25 million dollars opening weekends, not earning not an incredible um start but uh, um it's currently looking fairly comparable to Shazam Fear of the Gods as I was I'm showing in this graph this comparative graph here um which had a similar budget so Blue Beetle had 120 million dollars estimated budget versus Shazam 2 Fear Shazam Fear of the Gods which had 125 million dollars so yeah, it's not. Um, and if you look at the, I didn't show on this graph here, but the com performance compared to the original Shazam film, just to give an example, was quite muted, really. Um, the original one, I think it had like an $85 million budget, and this was back in 2019. And it, <clears throat> I think it did north of, I think it did 50 million or, or more in its opening weekend. Anyway, it did a, it was quite a quite a success, certainly on the basis of um, a multiple of its production budget um, gross revenue. I think it definitely, I think it would have been profitable even in the cinema. So the thing with these two movies, like you see, Shazam in to the worldwide world uh, worldwide box office only did around about 132 million, um, and that's completely finished running now because that was back in March of this year. <clears throat> but um, yeah, that movie. If you take a, if you take off the, so that's the the gross revenue, but you've got to take about a fifty percent cut, which is given to cinemas, um, and then there's got to be <clears throat> a further kind of potentially some further reductions there with payments to actors and whatever kind of stuff as well. So it's kind of it, it you basically well below what the original production budget is and it's looking like he might get a similar case for um blue beetle even though it was a good film i went to see it actually it was um it was objectively good and it has been well received by critics and audiences alike so um it is a well, it might get we'll have to have a look after this weekend it might have got a bit of a momentum bucked the curve that it was um it's setting from its first weekend. Um, <clears throat> we just have to wait and see. Hasn't got as much competition. 
<clears throat> doesn't have as much competition as uh, some of the other, you know, if it had come out a few weeks earlier, competing against some of the other larger movies that would have come out at that time. It's got less competition now. Um, I think the biggest other film coming out is Gran Turismo or something. It's the biggest sort of competitor at the moment. It's coming out this weekend. But anyway, um, yeah, the the point I'm trying to illustrate here, though, with this is, um, or the, I'm mentioning with this paragraph here, is that even though neither movies likely to have made a profit from theatres alone, um, there's still plenty of other monetization windows for it to go through. So the cinemas is just the first phase, and then obviously it can be sold, um, paid video on demand or rented and um and sold you know for renting and buying the movies downloads and then of course after that there's then licensing and uh, to other streaming partners streaming platforms and then of course um adding it to the catalog of of one of the discovery's own streaming platforms so there's these kind of windows for it to um for it to move through and to further monetize it. So it's certainly not the end of the road if it, it doesn't make a, an immediate profit in the cinema release. Um, yeah, the other piece of news I wanted to mention from one of us discovery was um, the announcement of the announcement that a number of big movie releases are getting pushed back due to the Hollywood actor strikes. And I've put a link here to an article um, to highlight the, the, in the article's headline is uh, that June part two um, is going to be delayed until March next year. It was originally scheduled for release in November. It's going to push back till March next year. Um, and it's not it's not the only movie. And it's having knock-on impacts into the scheduling for next year because there's other movies that were scheduled to release around that sort of time in March that have been pushed back to April and, and beyond. So um, it's having knock-ons through the whole release schedule. So there could be a bit of a a gap um, in movie releases. Um, but yeah, something I mentioned here, though, is that in the short term, the company will likely see a boost to its profits and cash flows as expenses fall, allowing them to accelerate their debt repayment. However, in the medium term, we're likely to see a negative impact as revenues get pushed out further into the future. So yeah, as we saw with the last uh, quarter zones release, they'd actually seen a benefit in their cash flows and profits as a result of the strikes. Um, and this was largely the just the writer strikes at this point, but it's obviously they're not paying those salaries and Production gets put on hold, especially now the actors are on strike. These films are actually fully stopping production. And that's giving them some some quite substantial cost savings. Um, we could be looking in the, the hundreds of millions of dollars kind of savings range, um, which is then helping them to further pay on the debt. And it doesn't really have any... Well, I mean, it has some impact. Um, like, And this is why they're delaying the releases, is that a lot of the marketing around a movie uh, involves getting the the actors involved in that and getting out there and publicizing the movie and so on. So we don't they don't have the options to do that, which I think is why they're 
part of the reason they're pushing back movies that have already been made. Like Dune Part Two, I'm pr- pretty confident will have already been completed. Um, we're just a couple of months away from its intended release. Well, three, three or four months. Um, intended release date, but so you'd expect it to have been pretty well polished off and not any more filming going on in it at least. But if they, if the big lead actors can't publicize the movie, and part of the appeal is the star power of people like um, Timothy Chalamet and um, Zendaya, who were the two fairly young lead actors in the film, along with. Loads of others, Josh Brolin, um, uh, Christopher Walken as well, and various other other big names. And if they can't actually help to publicize the movie, they can't go out and do interviews and sort of help to generate go to premieres, generate hype, and so on. It takes a lot of the wind out of the sails of the movie. So they're going to push these. This is why they they made the decision to push it back. But yeah, we'll have to see what kind of long-term impact that has. And hopefully these things get resolved fairly quickly and they'll be able to use some of the um, the cost savings in the short term to accelerate their debt repayment. And then that will have benefits down the line. It'll help to offset the medium-term impacts. So moving on to Tiny Build. This week... Tiny Build attended Gamescom, which is the world's largest gaming event, which I think I saw something back, this was from 2018 or something, but it was like 370,000 people attended it back in 2018, so I'm guessing it's similar or more. Now, and this is a game event in Cologne, Germany, and um, it at the event, it released new trailers and began showcasing both Streets of Rogue 2 and Pigeon Simulator. So I don't know whether there were other film, other move, um, games that were published, publicized or had demos or whatever at the event. I know from the Versus Evil side, there was um, Broken Roads. The game was being uh, demo, they had a demo available for people to try there and publicize and so on. And that game is... Um, probably the highest potential game at, at the moment, certainly from its um, wish list rankings and what have you, uh, for the Versus Evil publishing arm of Tiny Build. Um, yeah, on the Tiny on Tiny Build side, I think it, these are the two that they certainly mentioned um, that people who didn't attend the event who were just following along what they were publishing on Twitter or YouTube, like I was. Um, could see and it had a pretty streets of road 2 in particular had a pretty incredible response um i think the the game uh yeah they, they put out an official reveal trailer and there was lots of other you know there's quite a lot of other pub marketing and so on going on but um they put out an official reveal trailer and that trailer was this within the first three days had 550,000 views on YouTube. And I don't know what it is now, but uh, I'm assuming it's, it's higher still. And where the game had previously been in something like, I think at the time I was talking about before, it was like 137th places in the land, the wishes rankings. It then had gone down to 120 
and then I, <laughs> at the time I was writing this, it had gone all the way down to 106th place. So it's absolutely flown in the, um, you know, the wish list is at, has grown phenomenally. And it's, um, yeah, and it's looking very promising now. I don't know what, I don't, I haven't really, um, I wasn't looking at the wishlist rankings for some of the other games. Like, um, I don't know what kind of the, what the wishlist looked like for something like Potion Craft, which is a game with similar amount of um, enthusiasm from the from the audience before its release. Um, I don't know whether that got into the top one hundred, but uh, not. But I know I know that um, things like. I am future, which is which is a, a very good release, and uh, was in I think hundred and forty something rather place in the wishlist rankings. Certainly, certainly nowhere near the top one hundred, but was still within that range. And then uh, when Punch Club Two came out, which also was a very strong release, and we know um, has had we know well we have the sales figures from at least the first uh, two weeks into the. To its um release, uh, we know what the sales figures were from that article that Alex put out, CEO. So, uh, and we know that that was in something like two hundred and twenty something place in the wishes ranking. So, to be in one hundred and sixth place and potentially even getting into the, let me just let me just have a quick look. In fact, see where we are now. But to be able to get into the top 100 for Streets of Rogue 2 would be pretty incredible. Let's have a quick look. Hundred and fifth. It's actually gone up even since I wrote this and I only wrote this yesterday. So we've jumped up another place. And then if we look at um Broken Roads as well, just for comparison i think this is now 159th so it's climbing um from i think it was in 160 something 167 168 so it's it's making good progress um so yeah that's that's looking very very promising for that uh, for streets of road 2 for that launch and then something in the pitness simulator um didn't garner quite as much hype, but it. Uh, what was interesting with this one was, um, and it's it's nowhere near as high up in the the wish list rankings either. But I I think the interesting thing with Pigeon Simulator is its its audience is really going to be aimed at consoles. And what makes me say this, and and why six hundred and sixty fourth place in the Steam wish list ranking, um, it's quite a way, way back, but. What's interesting about it is that it's Xbox Game Pass did a tweet, which I think had some ungodly number of uh, impressions, like close to 800,000 impressions or something. High 700, 800,000 impressions and 4K plus um, likes. And it uh they announced that it is going to be on xbox game pass so uh obviously last in june the end of june we had the trading update that's talking about cutting of platform revenues 
So I don't know whether this was a this this is an example of of some platform revenue. So I I don't know whether this is new platform revenue, a new deal that's been signed, or an existing deal contract that that's being honoured, um, or or what. But it does mean that we're most likely that we're going to be seeing some platform revenue in the next year. And I think this is coming out in 2024. Both these games, yeah, uh, mentioned or announced as um, coming out next year, presumably in the first half. Um, and yeah, and I think Broken Roads, is, which is the other one I mentioned, is coming out um, for Versity, what's coming out this year. There's a couple of other ones coming out this year, and so on, but they're not ones that have been really marketed at this event. Um, but yeah, so that's quite positive that so we're actually potentially going to be still seeing some, it's not going to be a complete platform revenue going down to zero. And as we know, platform revenue made up about, it was about 20, uh, something around $20 million contribution last year. So it's a pretty considerable amount. So hopefully we're still getting some, it's not going to be cut down to zero. We're going to be getting at least a, a portion of that still coming through. So yeah, one uh, final thing I wanted to mention on Tiny Build was that I had a, a Zoom call with um, a lady called Rebecca Carr, who's a, an analyst at Progressive Research. Um, and they're a sell-side analyst firm. And they've been commissioned by the company, by Tiny Build, to provide ongoing coverage of the company and they did and she's done an initial report which i've read um it's free available because it's being the fund the report is being funded by the comp by tiny build um so you know you don't have to pay to access it that's what i mean by that it's not being paid by the readers and um yeah this re uh, report it went into a lot of detail because they are being funded by the company they don't do things like buy or sell recommendations or target price or stuff like that they're just trying to give you a an a rounded and balanced picture of the company the state of its finances what have you and they give you some so there was some forecasts in there about um various financial uh, figures and metrics like what the rev they think revenue adjusted bid or whatever it was going to be so um and that, but I found it particularly, what I found particularly interesting from it was the, um, the Compessor analysis. She did a, a really good breakdown of, um, let me just see if I can even, if I can, let me just, oh yeah, I probably can't because I think I'm just sharing this one monitor, uh, this, uh, one window, but yeah, basically she goes, she does a breakdown of the, competitors and she sort of does things like the percentage of own of of their revenue that's come from own ip percentage of their revenue that's come from the back catalog and does this this comparison side by side comparison with uh five or six different competitors i think i think it was five or six but certainly a, it presents in a table and then some other breakdowns and so on it and I, I thought that was um yeah very very good um, work there and very interesting to read and you could really see um, how tiny I think Team 17 was one of the uh, com 
comparison companies and they had similar levels of sales from the back catalog um but their own ip stuff wasn't as high as tiny bill and most of the others were just way way lower in terms of own ip and back catalog sales so i think devolver digital frontier developments there's a few other there was a few other companies that that they that were included in the in the study yeah but this is really interesting and it, it covers some other things that i haven't covered in my um reports my analysis so I, I do recommend giving it a look um and i certainly felt that it was pretty balanced and and like i say there was no like an opinion presented either way whether it's the buyer or seller or whatever and i yeah, had a very interesting discussion with rebecca um close to close to two hours i wasn't expecting to to go on so long but we had a we just yeah easy conversation about about the company and various other uh, her background and so on it's um yeah very good so i'm hoping to keep these lines of communication open with rebecca and we can get some some continued analysis from from her and i'll uh I'll try and link to those where where i can but uh yeah one thing i wanted to mention here as well is that you can go on the website and if you want to access it you can get it for free like i said but you have to sign up to you have to put your details in to their website and and it means you'll get uh, ongoing coverage from them. You'll get the the new, uh, as they do new reports and so on, around the time like earnings come out and things like that. They'll be doing updates, and um, you'll get those into your inbox maybe. But if you don't want to do that, if you did, but you do want to read it, um, I've been given a a copy that I've been given permission to distribute. So um, if you want to have a look at that copy, just drop me an email, um, which you can find on the about page of my website um and then yeah I'll, I'll just send you a copy no problems so yeah the final thing i wanted to mention is that i've started a new podcast or a new show uh entitled firm discussions in collaboration with the punch card investing youtube channel um, and this is going to feature a series of interviews with other other analysts covering a different company each episode. And the first one, um, I actually uh, spoke with um, Spencer Garnets of Breedy Capital, which is a guy I think I've mentioned here before. Um, and he's also written a writer on Tiny Build, so I thought oh, that'd be make an interesting discussion to do the inaugural episode as a discussion on tiny build so that's what we don't say if you want more tiny build then that's an interesting discussion and you hear a bit of a, a back and forth between me and spencer on on the company and uh yeah because it is a company that i own or have here was probably a more uh balanced conversation in terms of how much time we both spent talking but normally it would be me interviewing somebody else and I'd be doing asking questions, but most of the talking would be the guest. So that's yeah, it'd be a little different to and that it'd be more like the interview I did um with Chit Chat Money on Nintendo. That's probably a better example of what the standard kind of format is going to be. Um but yeah, to give you a bit of a background if you haven't encountered punch card investing before, it started off as a 
five diff five guys uh, who had YouTube channels uh, doing a uh, who were investing with Tom, Jack Duffley, Karan Ganani. Um, Brad Kellner and uh, investing with Frank, who I think was also Frank Lone Wolves. He had a Substack and so on. And um, yeah, I think as I understand now, um, it, it, and, and when it started off being a weekly live stream discussion show on a on a weekend normally, every week, and and now it's um, some of the other guys who are doing it um, have not been able to not been able to they've had other commitments and so on they haven't been able to commit to keep doing the show and so we're struggling to get the numbers to people just to come on and do the um the weekly live show and then i think now as i understand it jack duffley has taken over management of the whole channel and is um trying to expand the content offering and as part of this um that he's bringing on new he's still got there's still got some of the original guys like Tom and Quran and so on that are going to come on to the um from time to time onto the the live show but as I understand well yeah, what's happening now is that Jack is trying to get a few other kind of uh individual shows or segments or whatever for the channel um to add to bring in additional content and things like in the case of my stuff, it's stock analysis, discussions with other analysts. And there's another um, contrarian corner is the other, so far, the other show that's been listed um, by a guy called Mike. I uh, can't remember his surname, but um, yeah, his, his stuff's been good. He's done an episode on, um, can't remember now, it's a cable company, anyway, I believe. Um, but that was liberty. I think a liberty, liberty media, liberty global, something like that. But yeah, he um, so he's doing another show, similar stuff. But I think it's largely him doing the analysis, and there'll be once a month or something. And mine, trying to keep it to every two weeks, but obviously scheduling of guests and so on um does throw a spanner in the work sometimes with things. But yeah, it's um, I've got another got some more guests lined up so you get some more episodes coming out from that um but yeah so that's what you can expect and if you want to go over and subscribe to that youtube channel um that would be great you know if you want to if you're interested in any of this stuff the live show these dedicated stock analysis shows yeah you'll uh you'll find us some good content over there so anyway i think that pretty much wraps up this week um yeah and so yeah i will i'll give come back next week and we'll maybe get another update on blue beetle see how it did on its second weekend if we did see any any bump um yeah and see whatever else whatever else the week holds i'm currently in the process of um going through and doing it uh, working on an update for aviva so that as as i've mentioned in other weeks so that will be coming out hopefully in the next few months. Anyway, until next time. I will see you then.